Hi everyone, welcome to the podcast at UT Belfast. We hope you enjoy as you join with us on Sunday mornings and listen in as we seek to inspire our church and the people of our city to encounter Jesus and just love it with the biggest heart of compassion possible. Okay, so um, I've asked Michael to stay up because he's going to help me in a moment. Just he's going to stand there, blend into the background. So Sir Pretend he's not really there. Um, but we'll come around to Michael. Um, I want to obviously continue on the, the theme. We've been talking around uh, this sense of awakening. We've been focusing in on personal awakening. We've been focusing in now on that citywide uh, awakening and then the awakening of our, of our land. We're going to read in a moment from Acts chapter 4, and something that I hear people more and more often saying to me are things like, I just wasn't sure if it was the right thing to talk about my faith in that situation. Now, in my workplace, I felt like I should have prayed with that person, but I'm not quite sure if, if that was the right thing to do. And we walk this place off trying to work out what it is to live for Jesus and what it isn't. Um, it turns out that that's not a new thing. The guys we're going to read about now are people who, well, they're off the early church. They're starting to figure out these things. They've been walking with Jesus. Jesus has died. He's gone to sit at the right-hand side of the Father. The Holy Spirit has come, and they, are, they have been filled with the Holy Spirit. They're trying to work out what this looks like. You see, Jesus had said to the disciples, I want you to go. I want you to go wherever you're going. Um, you know, wherever you're going, will you make disciples? Wherever you're going, whatever part of the world, uh, whatever I send you into, would you make disciples? And as you're, you're doing that, would you make disciples in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit? Would you, would you do these things? I want you to do this. We're reading Acts chapter 2. Where it's this sense of these guys are being filled with the Holy Spirit. But in Acts 1-8, we know it's because that God wants them to be his witnesses. He wants them to go out and show who he is. Come on, come on, live it out, live it loud. And Jesus is asking the church to show up. He's asking the church to turn up. He's asking the church to come and and be everything and all the potential they could possibly be. But what we read is that in this moment, we're going to join these guys, that there's another voice, another authority, something else in that culture that's saying, no, Jesus is saying, shut up, but I'm saying, or Jesus is saying, turn up. These guys are saying, shut up. This voice, and the voice that so many of us can still have in our head. So Acts chapter four, we're gonna read 21 verses. And the priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. So just give you an idea of what's happened here. Peter and John, no, they've been walking to the temple. They bumped into a guy who couldn't walk. He's saying to them, can you give me some money? Because that's where his expectation in life was. Peter and John turn around and say to him, well, we don't have any money, but with something so much better. And they say to him, in the name of the Jesus of Nazareth, rise up and walk. This guy gets up, he starts singing, dancing, leaping, praising God. That's the, that's the song, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I'm not even going to try, but that's what he's doing. He's had this encounter with Jesus. And this guy who couldn't walk over 40 years of age, everybody's like, whoa, this is incredible. And these guys don't like it because they don't believe in miracles. And yet a miracle has happened in front of their eyes. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John. And because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed. 
And the number of men grew to about 5,000. I think it's amazing. Somebody was counting that that day. Somebody counts these things. Because numbers and people matter. The next day, the rulers, elders, teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there, and so was Caiaphas, um, John, Alexander, and the other men of the high priest family. These are the same people that said, take Jesus away, crucify him. So they're standing in front of people who they know have the power to put them to death. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question him. This is the key. By what power or what name did you do this? Okay, what power and what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness, it sounds so familiar. This is Jesus. Jesus, the kindest, loving person ever to walk earth. All he did was give and pour out. All he did was look to someone else and say, how can I pour out my life into your situation? He was that person. And in this moment, there is a lame man who can now walk. And this is what they're being judged for. They're being judged for being kind. Am I being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a cripple or asked how he was healed? Then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus or Christ of Nazareth whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead that this man stands before you healed. You see, he is the stone the builders rejected, speaking of Jesus, which has become the capstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. And people have problems with this verse because it makes it so clear and simple. It feels so exclusive that there is no other way to heaven but through Jesus. But Jesus himself, these are the words. There is no other way. There is no other way way that you can be rescued into a relationship with the Father God but through Jesus. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and conferred together. What are we going to do with these men? Everybody living in Jerusalem knows what they have done, an outstanding miracle, and we cannot deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further, to stop this kindness spreading before any others, to stop this miraculous power spreading to any other people, we must warn these men to speak no longer to anyone in this name. Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, judge for yourselves whether it is right in God's sight to obey you rather than God. For we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. And further threats, they let them go. They could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened for the man who was miraculously healed 
was over 40 years old. We have this moment. Jesus has told them to go, stand up, be my witnesses. Now these guys are saying, shut up. Don't be his witnesses. And they have came to the conclusion that it's better to obey God than it is to obey any other man. That's the conclusion. This morning, I've given a title to my talk, and it's this. The stick, the cross, and the bonsai tree. Okay? The stick, the cross, and the bonsai tree. And we're going to have a wee chat about the stick, the cross, and the bonsai tree. So, anybody know what this is? Okay, we're not going to get too complicated, but I'm going to ask you some questions because I want us to work through your steps. This is a... Okay, so somebody got excited there about the stick thing. So this is a stick. Sticks are good. You can make lots of things out of sticks. You can make works of art and sculptures. You can, like, enough of them. You can make a boat. You can build a house. You can do loads of things. You can throw it for your dog to go and catch. There are so many things you can do with a stick. But when it comes down to it, a stick is a dead tree. You see, there's so many forms that this stick can take, but it will never be as good as a tree. See, trees are incredible. Trees are the future. Trees are the things that we plant to save the planet. You see, there's nothing like a tree. You see, a stick may form something, but when it's removed from its life source, it's just a dead tree. Michael, are you still there? Michael, Dave, play something. Come on, Michael. See, something else you can make from a piece of wood is a, what is this, Michael? It's a guitar. Oh, okay, okay. We can make these things. Uh, uh, and what's this part called? The body of the guitar. The bo- and this is the? The neck. The neck, okay, okay. So, so play something. Okay, that'll do because I can feel myself fall asleep right now. Just, it, it was just comforting, Michael. Okay, so, so now what I want you to do is turn off the power and play. Turn off the power and play. Dave, Dave, turn off the power. Turn off the power. That's what we're looking for. Turn off the power and play. Okay, you can sit down, Michael. (laughs) See, the point of it is this, that it may look good and it may sound okay, but if you remove the source of power, then it never reaches its full potential. You see, we'll have here, we'll have Peter, who is this guy that we don't expect much from him because we're, we're the people who have read about Peter, who when he's standing at a fire, he's standing here, he's looking into the temple, he can see that Jesus has been beating, beaten up and he's been punished and he's been all those things. And Peter is standing by this fire and this little servant girl comes up to him and goes, like, you're, you're with him, aren't you? Uh, and Peter's like, no, me, I, I, I'm not with him. We're used to the Peter who doesn't show up. We're used to the Peter who, whenever the pressure comes on, he runs. But something has changed. And I know Spot has been talking through some of this over the last few weeks. Something has shifted. 
Something has shifted between this cold Peter in his spirit to this white hot bold Peter who just wants to do anything and take on anything that involves that Jesus Christ is proclaimed and exalted as the only way to salvation. Peter has shifted and Peter has changed. See, we asked that question and he asked that question. By what power and by what name? And you see, Peter goes on to say, by the power of the Spirit, or in the power of the Spirit, he spoke. See, it's vital this morning that we get just a glimpse of how important it is to know and to live in the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm saying this in an honest way this morning because I would love to stand up here as the guy this morning who is so full of the Holy Spirit that everywhere I go, the kingdom of God just comes and I just see overwhelming miracles in every way. I would love to say that in every way and at every moment, I am so conscious of the presence of the Holy Spirit. But I know that it's the only pursuit that will truly make me fully human and fully alive as a follower of Jesus Christ. There is no other way. I want us to work through some stuff. And so I want us to read from Genesis chapter two, verses seven to eight. They're gonna pop up here. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust, dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and the man became a living being. I want us to think about this moment, okay? Uh, And then we're going to unpack it a little bit further. This moment of the first week that was ever planted in the world, okay? This is the first week. And what we have is that God takes the form of a man. He creates a body. He creates one that's perfect and it looks great. And, you know, anybody looking at it would go, well, that's a, a man. But the man is dead, The man has yet to be brought back to life or brought to life. And in this moment, we have this picture where God puts his mouth over the nostrils of the man and he breathes in life. And in this moment, man is formed. Man comes to life. And what we have then after that is we have this man who's living in full relationship with God. He's living in the authority that God had for him. But then we have the fall. We have where man does what man does, man and woman do. We disobey God and and in those moments there's a separation. There's a separation in the first week with the first man, the first breath that brought life. And from that moment on, man struggled. Humanity has struggled to find its place and find its way. It'll not be long and we will be celebrating Easter Easter will be the time when we come together and churches around the world, we will specifically set time apart to focus on the cross, to thank, f- give thanks for what Jesus Christ has done for us. We will, uh, we will just set out amazing amounts of time to say, Jesus, thank you. Jesus, thank you for saving me. Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Jesus, thank you. And we have these moments of reality that we know that something changed at the cross. Something changed forever. I want us to jump forward from Genesis into John. And John is giving us an account. John is helping us to see something here that is, if we capture it, it changes everything. 
Because John starts in John chapter 20, verse 19, he says, on the evening of the first day, the first day of the first week. See, John says this phrase, and then John goes on to repeat this phrase. John is asking us to see something here. He's asking his readers to remember the first day of the first week, to remember what happened at the beginning. And then John, or John goes on to write and describe how the, the disciples, were. Well, they were there and um, they were afraid. And then Jesus enters in, he shows them his hands and his side. The disciples are overjoyed that they saw the Lord. And then again, he said, peace be with you. And in verse 21, these words he said, again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, so I want you to picture Genesis, the first week, the, the first moment where man comes alive. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Now he was speaking of the day of Pentecost that would come. And when we read about that in Acts chapter two, verse two, what we're told is that as they were all gathered together in unity, waiting for the coming of the Holy Spirit, there came the sound of a rushing wind. A violent wind came and heaven from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. The word here for wind is breath. It's where we get the term pneuma or where you get pneumonia or something would affect your, your, your breathing. And it's this sense of a breath came from heaven and filled the whole room. And in this moment, we're seeing something that is so real and so important that we get as followers of Jesus Christ. See, what John is saying is that this is the start of a new week. From this moment on, what Jesus has done at the cross changes everything. From this moment on, humanity gets a second chance to live out the life that God intended for them. The one that was broken in the garden because of sin. Here's a new opportunity where you can become everything that I intended you to be. It's the first week. And what we know is in 2 Corinthians 7, 5, 17, that Paul writes, we are a new creation. We're told in Corinthians that we are part of one body. And we have to pick up this imagery. And what has been said here is that there was a new week that started after the cross. There was a new creation that happened. And that's every follower of Jesus Christ. And that creation together becomes the body of Christ. So I want you to get the imagery. Genesis chapter 2, God created, he formed this man, this body and then in John, we're reading that God, he, he created this in his first day of this week. He created this body, this new body. But this new body was nothing until the breath of the Spirit came. Nothing. Until they were filled with the Holy Spirit. I, I want you to do something for me. Can you breathe? It's really funny. I, I like doing that because you've been like breathing all day. But um, just this moment, everybody goes. Ooh, ooh. Okay, can you stop breathing? 
I'll tell you when to start. Uh, have you ever lost your breath? I, I can remember, I have a brother who's fascinatingly interesting. <laughs> but I can remember whenever we used to go swimming, my brother would have thought the funniest thing in the world would be to like dive bomb on my head. You know, and, and as I'm trying to fight my way back up, well, it was even funnier to do it twice, you know. Uh, it was even better to like hold me under the water. Now, I, I don't think he was trying to kill me. Yeah. But I can remember the fear of losing my breath. See, there's something about the fact in humanity, the thing that we do most natural, the thing that we do the easiest, the thing that we take most for granted, when it comes to being followers of Jesus Christ, the breath of God or the spirit of God is the person that we leave most behind. You see, we read this and we see that Peter and John have been transformed. Peter went from this guy who's like terrified to this guy who is totally like, come on, kill me. I'm standing up for Jesus. And the change was the spirit of God. You see, if the church is not being bold, if the church is not speaking up for the gospel of Jesus Christ, if the church is not living in a witness that inspires people to look at them and say, what is it, who is it, by what name, by what power, then the church is dead by the Spirit of God. Where is the Holy Spirit? See, church can be nice. It can be made into many different shapes. But without the Holy Spirit, it's just a dead stick. We need the Holy Spirit. And I want to bring that urgency this morning and I had a sense in the room that that felt a bit urgent. Anyone ever been on a plane? Yeah, been on a plane. The flight attendant comes out. In the event of decompression, the oxygen mask will automatically appear in front of you, just like. Place it firmly over your nose and mouth, secure the elastic band behind your head, and breathe normally. And then there's this little bit that says, if you are traveling with a child or someone who requires assistance, Secure your mask first and then assist the other person. And what she's saying is make sure you're breathing before you help anyone else breathe. And as a church, what's the challenge? We need to put our masks on first so that people say by what power and by what name. Okay, so that's the stick. The second thing I want to talk about is the cross. Okay, so we'll have Peter. Peter is the guy who's terrified um, of the little girl. I'm going to ask somebody to come up and help me with this one. Um, Curtis. Thank you, Curtis. 
I know it's not the usual weights you're familiar to squatting on Facebook Live. Um, <laughs> oh, but you, you can do this. <laughs> Sorry, that was an in-house joke. I apologize for visitors. But if this Curtis Craig, if you want to follow him online on any of his social media accounts, you will soon understand what I mean. <laughs> yeah, okay. So the stick is a dead tree. Many forms can look fantastic, but still a dead tree. When we're removed from our life source, what are we? So the cross, by what power and by what name? See, let's go back to Peter. Peter, who is this guy who's standing at the big barrel on fire. Let's, let's imagine a big barrel on fire. That's what I imagine. Did they have barrels? No, but a big barrel on fire. Uh, Peter is standing warming himself. Jesus is being um, tortured and beaten and mocked and all those things. And so, and Peter's like warming himself at this fire and this servant girl comes over and goes, uh, you're with those guys. And he's like, no, I'm not. No, no, it goes on. And the image here is really clear. The image here is really clear that it's easy to be warm on the outside, but be so cold on the inside. See, Peter here is totally, oh, he's on fire, but he's stone cold. And that's the question. Do you know, I can come and say, uh, we need the Holy Spirit, but, but that's great, Stephen, but where do we go from here? Because it's easy to get warmed at someone else's fire, and we find that, don't we? You bring someone along who's on fire for Jesus and you stand beside someone, you're in the company and after it, you're like, yeah, that's helpful because it lights your fire. It's easy to get warm at someone else's fire. But Stephen, where do I go from here? Well, Peter, we know those guys took time out to, to intentionally seek Holy Spirit. And, and I would say, that's the no-brainer of it all. We need to take time out to seek the Holy Spirit. Uh, I'm not trying to be diminishing and, or, or, or in some way condescending, but the reality is to get to know anyone, we need to take time in their company to understand them. It's exactly the same with the Holy Spirit. Now, wh why am I talking about the cross? You see, the cross is like everything if you want to get to know Jesus, if you want to understand the heart that God has for us, this is the best place that you can ever start. Because at the cross is where we get the truest image of the heart of God. I love how N.T. Wright puts it. He says this. He says, God rolled up his sleeves and he got on with a job that he alone could finish. You're like, yeah. And that's the cross. See, the cross has this symbolism that God landed in the middle of our pain, in the middle of evil, in the middle of our what's going on in life, in the middle of our failed dreams, in the middle of our systems that were broken. Jesus landed in the middle of it all and he grabbed hold of it with love. That's the image. I was brought up with the sense of I became a Christian and I was brought to the cross. I can remember that night so clearly. 
Dr. Paul Walker speaking on the love of God. God so loved the world. Oh man, oh man, I'd never felt, oh, that was the moment. It was like, yeah, he did, he does, he loves me. Now put your name in the place for God to love Stephen. I was like, oh yes, God loves Stephen. It was just in that moment. I remember that night giving Jesus my life, but it was like, I give Jesus my life and from that moment I started to walk on from the cross. It was like, that had happened, now I get on with my life. But what the Bible says is completely different. The Bible says this. The Bible says, when you get to this cross, just take it up and like bring it with you. Uh, and that's the clear picture. It's not like, you know, just leave it there and walk on. It's like, take it up, mom, bring it with you. Uh, and what I want to say is this, is because when Peter's talking, he keeps saying these things that refer to the cross. There's no other way to salvation. There's no other way to any of this stuff. There's only in the name of Jesus and it's all through the cross. There is no other way. And, and Peter is just bringing it back to the cross. I, I want you to see it. These are these new Christians. They've just realized this is a new week. This is like, it's like nothing before. It's like all of a sudden we can become everything that God wants us to be. Yeah, come on. We've been filled with the Holy Spirit. This is the best deal ever. And in case we forget it, we're going to bring our cross with us. Because every time I doubt that Jesus Christ has got my back, I've got my cross. Every time I worry about somebody putting me on a cross, I realize I don't have to worry about death because death has lost its sting because of what Jesus Christ has done for me. Every time I am afraid, I'm like, well, Jesus wasn't afraid. And if Jesus is with me, then no one can stand against me. Come on. And I, and I just take my cross and I bring it with me. And we've got to take up our cross and follow him. I'm aware that I keep nearly hitting Curtis on the head. Just to make you aware, I'm aware. I'm like a ninja with a cross. I've been carrying this thing for a long time. Yeah. Thank you, Curtis. You can clear off now. But the stick in the cross, follow me. I want us to look at the cross for a moment. And just remember... See, the further we get away from this, we remember, or sorry, we forget our purpose. We forget just what it cost to bring us into new life. We, we can get overwhelmed by problems. We can get overwhelmed by stuff. We can get overwhelmed by this and by that and by pressures. But there's something about this cross. See, Peter was the guy who failed Jesus. And now he is like the living biblical example of what it is to be bold in Jesus. See, he understands the cross. He understands that you can look Jesus in the eye and walk away from him and still come home. Wow. He understands that there's no way of getting too far away from the love of God. He gets it. In fact, he remembers when Jesus said to Mary, go and tell the disciples what's going on, but will you give Peter an extra wee word? He heard that. He's not going away from this cross. There's something about this cross that reminds us that no matter what we've done, no matter what we're doing, there is a way back to the love of God.
and to walk in his purpose. Okay, so that's the cross. Sounded just like when you dropped your mic this morning. (laughs) The last thing I want to say is that the stick and the cross and the bonsai tree. Now, this is what we're finishing with. Whoa. Okay, I I don't know anything about bonsai trees. Uh, But Google does. And Google is always true. And so what I know about bonsai trees by listening to bonsai masters, because there are such a thing, um, there are people who have like, yeah, qualifications and are sought out throughout the world for these things. Not this one. Uh, 14 pounds in Madeland. And why a bonsai tree? You see, if we are going to be more than this, we need to take up our cross and remind ourselves of the power of the cross. Because it's in that moment that we discover that I am welcomed, I am accepted, but we need to take the time in the power of the cross to seek the Holy Spirit. And so what what is the outcome of all of this? Well, it's this, a bonsai tree. See, a bonsai tree is not trying to be a different tree. A bonsai tree is simply trying to be a miniature version of the real thing. There's like these guys who sit in the tie-back branches and the trim and the... I, I, I don't know what to do. They work their witchcraft to make this happen. And somehow they can look at that big tree and they can make this tree into that tree. And that's the outcome. See, what we read in scripture at Antioch, this is where it happened first. These Christians are walking along, but they weren't called Christians then. They were followers of Jesus Christ. They're walking along and people are going, ah, that's them Christians. It's the first time it happened. That's them Christian guys. That's them Christians. And, and it wasn't a nice term. It was a mocking term. It was like, ha. And what they were saying is this. There's those little Christs. There's those little Christs. See, why we need the breath of God. Why we need to cling to the cross is because you and I are called to be little Christs. We're called to be the miniature version of the real thing. And I don't know about you, but when I look at Jesus, I just think that's impossible. He is just so good. He's just so perfect. He's just so loving. He's just so kind. He's just so powerful. He is just so miraculous. He's just so tender. His eyes are always looking outward and never inward. He's just this. But yet, he believes it's possible. So the cross, the cross is God landing in the middle of the brokenness and grabbing hold of it with love.
So what does it look like to be a follower of Jesus Christ? Landing in the brokenness and grabbing hold of it with love. Yesterday, the guys, some of the guys were out on a compassion walk, our, our compassion ministry here at the church, and there was an email came through from one of the homeless guys, and uh, it said, I am so touched and grateful for Compassion.org Belfast. Volunteers, uh, their volunteers helped this morning. I was in a doorway sleeping rough at night, and normally I leave early. I just got up to, a wonderful, to wonderful people who gave me a bag full of useful things, a blanket, a hat, a gloves, toothbrush, etc. I really appreciate their kindness. Thought I would say, well done, and thanks. And, and that is the, the perfect example of landing in the brokenness and grabbing hold of it with love. And I think it's an amazing thing. But the story that we read here in Acts 4, it starts with these 5,000 men coming to faith. And I don't think any of them were homeless. You see, it's easy for us to go to the brokenness and go, well, that's, that's the homeless. But what Jesus comes is to the hopeless. These are people who have spent their life and generations building it around a system that is failing them. And in the middle of it, they come with love. And they say, you don't have to give up on what it is you're holding on to. Or you do have to give up on what you're holding on to. But you can take hold of something that will never fail you. I'm coming to a close. I went to the cinema recently to see a movie called 1917. Um, it's about um, two soldiers who were given impossible orders to go into the enemy's territory and deliver a letter that if they did so successfully, 1,600 people would live. Now, I, I can spiritualize the life out of that right there and now, do you know? And if anybody's listening in the room, you heard it. We've got a letter to deliver, enemy's territory, seems impossible, but if we're successful, lives get saved. Now, we were watching this movie, and myself and a friend, and last five minutes, still don't know if that letter got delivered. Because what happened was there was a woman in front of us who um, took really on well, all of a sudden, she started screaming in pain, and just, it was an awful moment. The lights came on, you could feel that sort of uncomfortableness in the room. You could see there were some shallow people, not myself, of course, like, like are we going to get to see the end of this movie or not? <laughs> you know, that wasn't me. But my pastor friend with me, I knew he was thinking that. <laughs> and so the stewards came in, they were useless, but that's what you'd expect. You know, they're there to sell tickets and popcorn, not like save people's lives. So they phoned an ambulance. My colleague's going to phone an ambulance now. His colleague looked at him and went, Oh, Emma. Oh, okay, I'll phone an ambulance. Um, and you know, I still don't know how that film ended. I, I don't know. But I want to bring it back to this. That Peter and John, they set out 
This early church set out going into the enemy's territory, totally on fire with the Spirit of God to deliver a message that if it was received, thousands and millions and billions of lives would be saved. And you see, they died not knowing how it ended. See, the church went far, but look at it now. You know, I don't know if they had faith for 5,000, but did they have faith for two point something billion Christians on the earth today? Did they have that sort of faith? See, they didn't know how the film ended. Now, why do you say that? It's because we have an opportunity to shape the ending. As a church, we have the opportunity to shape the ending. We have an opportunity to fulfill and add to the end of the story. But I bring it right back. It can only be done through the breath of the Spirit of God. I'm going to ask us to stand. See, this morning, um, oh, I, I just want to ask the question, does knowing the Holy Spirit and being filled with the Holy Spirit mean as much to you as breathing? Because that's what I'm asking myself. See, the picture is that without the breath of the Holy Spirit, we are just a formed body without the power. And so I'm going to ask it again. Are you, am I, as hungry as determined to pursue Holy Spirit. As much as our very breath. Okay, perhaps some of us are thinking, will this guy stop? Are we ever going to come to an end? I'm going to ask you again. Holy Spirit. I need you as much as I need my breath. The dreams you've put in me, the dreams you've put in us, the the business I'm trying to build, the, the teacher I'm trying to be, the parent I'm trying to go for, the... The person I'm trying to, I'm trying to be this little Jesus. I need you, Holy Spirit. I need you, Holy Spirit, as much as I need my breath.
Because without you, Holy Spirit. See, in in what power I want to say, Holy Spirit. In what name I want to say, Jesus. Holy Spirit. See, it may be a good thing this morning to just start to talk to him. Holy Spirit. He loves you with the same love as the Father. He is Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, come. I need you, Holy Spirit. I I can be many things in life. I can look good, sound good. I can do all of those things. But if I'm detached from my life source, then I am nothing. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, come. I cling to the cross, Holy Spirit. I've failed you many times, Jesus, but the cross reminds me, I carry it with me. It reminds me that death has lost its thing. It reminds me that my sins are forgiven. It reminds me that I am always welcomed home. It reminds me that you have purpose for me. It reminds me. Jesus, I come boldly because I I carry my cross with me. I, I, I come knowing it costs, knowing there's, there's cost in it, but I, I carry my cross. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. I just wanna put out there, if you are someone and you're hearing these voices, this contrasting voices, Jesus is saying, will you be my witness? And then there's other voices saying, stop being his witness. The only change, the only thing that will ever change your story is Holy Spirit come. Holy Spirit come. Fill my life. I know I I should tell them, but I don't. Holy Spirit, come. I need you, Holy Spirit. I need you, Holy Spirit. Hi everyone, thanks for listening in on our Sunday podcasts. Check us out on our Facebook, Instagram at UT Belfast.